all sorts of things can cause gut issues. But the most likely reason, if we were playing guess who here and we're trying to flip down as many people in front of us as possible, the most likely guess for a recurring gut issue is what are you eating? What are you putting in there to cause this issue? Hey there, welcome to Life Well Loved, the pet well-being podcast brought to you by Bella and Duke. My name's James Marriott, I'm your host, as we adventure into the world of pet ownership with you and your cats and dogs. We'll be sniffing out expert knowledge from people like behaviourists, nutritionists and veterinary professionals as we explore how to do right by our pets. Covering everything from pet-centred nutrition to how to help them navigate the world around them. So, let's meet today's guest. Look, it's one of life's little things. It happens to us all. Having a bit of a dodgy tum-tum, and it happens to our pets as well. There's a fair chance if you're a pet parent, then you'll have dealt with your furry friend having a bit of an upset stomach. Uh, We're joined today by Dr. Connor Brady. Um, You get all the glamorous jobs here. We're going to be talking diarrhea. We're going to be talking diet, fasting, Lots of other stuff. As I say, all the all the glamorous, uh, all the glamorous jobs. Thank you for joining us. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, if you would do. No problem. Uh, poo talk. Yes, that's what we do all day. So uh, <laughs> try to avoid that. Right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, poo talking. So yeah, I I actually came from um, I in college. I did a studied a good bit of poo. It was deer poo actually. So we were. It was part of looking at the digestive systems of various group living animals, and so poo has always been on my radar. And so there's an awful lot you can tell about it. I don't want to be the Gillian McKeith kind of person of, uh, of pets. But, uh, you know, we all know, we've all experienced it. And it's a very common ailment. It's one of the top two reasons for visiting the vet today. Chronic gut issues. And, and spor- like now and again, poos, nobody's worried about them. That happens. Poo happens, as they say. But, you know, we're talking about the issues that are constant and chronic They're They are a problem and they can really they can really uh, cause a lot of a lot of distress in the dog and in you. And so they are a big, big visitor to our website. So we spend a lot of time talking about it. Actually, the answers are often very, very simple. So that's what we do for a living there, really. Dogs with recurring skin and gut conditions. And very interestingly, a study just came out in Nature, of all places, nature.com, for any scientists out there. And that is the pinnacle of of, uh, scientific achievement, if you're getting getting your uh, pieces published on that. And the University of Helsinki... Um, a, a survey of 16,500 pet owners, huge survey, and they found that gastrointestinal disease or um, entropathy of the of the intestines is way more common if you feed dry food and rawhide chews to early and uh, middle-aged pups. And it, it, you are setting the dog up wrong. So isn't that interesting? It just came out in nature. It's what we all knew. We've been seeing it. There's a f- been a few other little telltale signs, but now we have a concrete evidence, you know, uh, fresh food is protective and uh, kibble feeding is, is, is going the opposite way so uh, it's pretty concrete now Wow alright oh well that's brilliant I'm sure uh, we'll, we'll probably come back to that so I wanted to yeah. talk a bit about um, about raw and, and the effect that it that it has on kind of you know the, the, the studies that, that you do so um, yeah definitely something for us to explore there um, I want to ask you as well about your because uh, you, you have a book tell us about that yeah the book um actually we've been with this video here that we're in, i'm just looking at it over my shoulder very carefully positioned so everybody can see it <laughs> but uh yeah well that book uh, nearly ruined my life and marriage but uh, it took about 10 years to get that out but for the last 10 years like i'm a trained researcher of a, of a doctor doing research and so what it is is it's a skill of just of looking at questions and and looking at every angle of that question so if somebody says to me you know this is why 
dogs do this. I can look. I try to look at it from both sides and every which way. It just makes you into an absolute nerd uh, for facts and studies, and and I love it. Uh, but it took me years to realize what I was actually good at. When you come out of college, going, you know, what is that doctorate about? But the, feeding dogs, this book is is I believe the first analysis of the dry versus kind of fresh feeding, real feeding debate you know there's always this question of uh, well show us the science where's the science have you got science to say that fresh food is good for pets and cats and dogs as if there's an enormous amount of science to suggest that kibble is good for cats and dogs we're not allowed to see those studies but we the people have to produce the studies to show the normal way of doing things is correct and what they have decided to feed pets all of a sudden as of the last 50 years world war ii we ran out of horses and tin and so we said, well, we can just use these new extruder machines and grind up uh, cereal. We've got lots of cereal. And the recipe hasn't really changed in 70 years. So, um, yeah, so th- this is kind of an analysis of, well, how good is dry food? Like, what do dogs eat, you know, in the first place? What, what when you let them off the lead or what do actual feral dogs, dogs that don't like humans at all, what do they eat? And it's quite clear that they spend a l- most of their time, on well over 90% of their time, eating animal protein, eating animal uh, things with a face, anything. They are not selective. At given any opportunity, they'll take terrible advantage. So that's the first kind of section. Second section was just looking at dry food from about 20 different angles. Third section is about how our vets have, have gone wrong, um, really, how the veterinary industry is promoting really the wrong products, let's face it. They're high-carbohydrate, ultra-processed food made six months ago you know compared to a fresh sardine come on guys you know so um we have a look at that and that's a little bit dark to be honest with you that was what sucked me in and then the the fourth section is, is fresh feeding how to do it very very simple whether it's cooked or raw it doesn't it matters less to me but it, raw obviously i would be a raw dog food guy clearly but uh, i think we need to allow a little, little bit of space for people that want to lightly cook because a huge amount of effort is is being um, done by the the other side to convince you that Fresh food is actually dangerous. So people come out, come off the dry food addiction and say, well, I just want to lightly cook. And you don't want to tell those people, no, it must be raw. You know, the word raw can frighten vets. So we just say fresh instead of raw. Right. And it's hard to argue against fresh food. So whether you like, if you want to lightly cook it initially, go bananas, but give them a raw meaty bun and then you get them onto it that way. Brilliant. We will, of course, include um, a link to the book in the um, in the show notes as well. So anyone that kind of thinks, you know, what I want to read this, I want to find out more, uh, there will be a link for you to um, appreciate it. to have a to have a gander. Um, just taking a little bit of a step backwards, then, if there's anyone that's kind of tuned into this episode who at this stage is going, why why have they decided to do a podcast that is talking about dodgy stomachs? It's talking about poo. It's talking about stuff like diarrhea. We're not doing it because we just like to be cruel and raise things that aren't particularly pleasant. It's because it's important. But 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 why? What's the significance of um you know uh, 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 your your pet having an upset stomach? Yeah, well, I think like it's the window to the digestive system. It's the window to how well things are going on internally. I mean, if you saw a car with black smoke belting out the back of it, you'd go, "Ooh, that car is not in good condition," and rightfully so. Somebody should take a look at it. And you certainly wouldn't be hitching a trailer up to the back of us three times a day and driving up a hill. So the, the equivalent would be like, are you working your dog? He's got black smoke belching out the back of him and you're working him or you're expecting him to perform in some way. Uh, maybe he's a little run down. Maybe he needs a rest. Maybe he needs somebody to take a look at him. So, you know, recurring good issues are just, it's it's a smoke alarm going off. Something is not quite right. And you should best heed us, you know, particularly if it's a chronic issue and it keeps on going on. Now and again, you know, dogs are silly. They just eat anything and uh, some things can turn their guts a little bit as they can for us 
as can mad periods of stress. It, they get infections and giardia. All sorts of things can cause gut issues. Um, worming tablets, really, like just many, many things can cause the issue. But the most likely reason, if we were playing guess who here and we're trying to flip down as many people in front of us as possible, the most likely guess for a recurring gut issue is what are you eating? What are you putting in there to cause this issue? So when we see recurring digestive issues or, or diarrhea and salt, too much soft poos, you know, poo without consistency, poo you can't actually pick up. That's getting the diarrhea. It's not just a puddle of brown water. There's, you know, a, a poo that has no consistency, like Mr. Whippy just took a poo, like an ice cream band man. So that's what we always say. Like, if you can't pick it up and throw it into the neighbours, it's too soft. So we need to kind of focus on, um, you know, anything less than a five out of a ten. Your dog should be pooing really good quality poos all the time. There's no reason you're giving him his food. It's not like he's going into the shops and buying his own junk food. So he should be pooing nice poos, good shape, you know. Um, so uh, that's what we say. A bit, a bit of texture to it for, for sure. Big soft poos all the time. You're going to get digestive issues. You're going to get this anal gland issue that so many dogs are suffering. It's like, an, it's like normal that dogs have to have their anal glands expressed by vets or groomers. It's a shocking thing to have to happen. These little pustules at four and eight o'clock around the bumhole. And your poo is too soft all the time. You have too much good inflammation going on. You get these impacted anal glands. There's just a number of issues. But the main thing is he's not digesting his food properly. He's unhappy. You'll get a gut flora issue. Uh, and over time, that can have a, a bad effect on the dog because you're keeping happy gut flora is everything. And you've got to get those guys back to a happy state. It's most important. And then the poos will be okay. I, I must say, I didn't expect a Mr. Whippy reference in this uh, <laughs> in this episode. So I think you get bonus points for, for, for that. I think I think it's really important to stress this point of the fact that some of the stuff that we're talking about, some of the phrases that are used in this episode, and there'll be more, are probably not the most pleasant, right? And probably not particularly, uh, sometimes uncomfortable for people to, to, to listen to. But it is really important. And I think this is stuff that probably for most people, when you are uh, a pet parent, you're you're gonna have a, at some point during that process of 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 looking after your pet. You, you're gonna come across some kind of issue, even if you're doing everything right. Um, you, 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 there's there's still a fair chance that that this is this is something that you kind of need to know about. So, I don't think we we make any apologies for no. for that because actually it's right to to just kind of talk about this stuff upfront and 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 as it is. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm interested in asking you kind of a little bit about um, the work that you do with your clients. So presumably you get involved at the point that something's not 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 really going right. There's an issue there. What what do you do in order to figure out what's going wrong and how do you put things right? Um, so if you are faced with a, a dog with a recurring good issue, I think the temptation is that we we instantly get to thinking, what can I put in to stop this happening? What can I put in? And that's the modern approach to health today, sadly. What pill can I take to make the symptoms go away? But that doesn't fix the issue underneath. That is not a cure to the disease. It's like putting a fancy plaster on gangrene, you know, and then you take it off a week later and the gangrene's not any better. If anything, it's a bit worse. Well, I'll put on a bigger plaster, nicer smelling. And then you end up having to put on bigger and bigger plasters, nicer and nicer smelling until they're changing that plaster every day and eventually the gangrene gets you. So that's the modern approach to to um, to pharma, really. It's like we love taking meds to turn off the smoke alarms. You've got a recurring ear infection, antibiotics and steroids for the ear. You've got a skin condition, no problem, we'll give you non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. You've got a gut condition, no problem, we'll give you omeprazole and, and antibiotics and, and uh, pain relief and all sorts of things to shore it up and uh, pills to make you stop vomiting and like there is just any amount of things to, and the drugs are held a success. You walk off, the dog has stopped 
you know, pooing all over the kitchen and you think, great, it's a success, but you haven't fixed the issue. You keep on feeding the problem. So if the problem was, let's say, the dog is not getting on well with his ultra-processed food, let's say wheat-based food, ultra-processed, chemically preserved, so you're trying to rehabilitate the gut floor on chemically preserved dry food. It just can't be done because the chemicals that preserve that kibble, I've found kibble that's years old behind the couch in the shed. I was just like, oh, it still looks exactly like kibble. Not even fungus will grow on kibble years later. The chemicals that, 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 that achieve that wash over the gut floor of your dog as well and napalm that. So it's very hard to get a dog back to good shape. So what the vet will do or what the, the, the client will do is that they'll keep the dog on very strange chemically reserved kibble and use drugs to control the symptoms. And we would say, well, that's not a long-term solution. So we're again, we're focusing on these dogs that are chronically uh, unhappy in the gut department. You need to take a step back and go, okay, we don't know what's causing this issue. There's something going in that's causing this problem. Is it the, the dental sticks? I'm not naming any brands. Is it the horrible pet treats that have been sitting in a prospect's box in a pet shop for six months without going off? I don't know. Is it the treats I'm giving them on Sunday? I don't know. Is it the ultra-processed food that's not only contains a hundred ingredients and a thousand uh, chemicals because it's various degrees come into the, the factory with various different um, touches on them but it's also made in a, in a factory with hundreds of ingredients in it so studies show when you say chicken dry food or definitely no beef those studies studies of those pet foods show they contain beef because they're made in a factory that contain these molecules and when you're talking about food sensitivity which is a whole other kettle of fish we don't need to get into at the moment but food sensitivities are a big, big problem with dogs with recurring gut issues. Something is constantly going in. It, food sensitivity is, is a big part of that. And so you can't use a product with hundreds or thousands of ingredients in it. What we do is we say you need to get very, very simple. And it's as simple as this. After we fast the dog, a little period of drying them out, stop feeding the issue. The gut factory is not working properly and you're just pouring bits and pieces through it. Okay, So you've got to rest for just a meal or two, skip a meal or two, let them rest for a second. And then we move them to a very, very simple diet, which we'll talk about. But the, the, the process is called is simply, okay, dog, how are you on lamb? How are you on turkey? How are you on rabbit? And you go through the proteins one at a time, a few weeks on each one. To be honest, if the first one works, I'd stay on it for a while. And um, there's, a, there's a step we're missing there that I'll talk about that the initial diet for a couple of days. But it's as simple as that. What is causing this issue? Stop with your flea treatments, wormers, boosters strange treats anything that's stressful you walk out you take a left from your house and behind number 10 the husky jumps out and barks at your dog and it gives him a jolt in the guts which is stressful which upsets your guts all of it needs to stop for a week remove everything okay they say good issues recurring good good issues is like you're in a dark room and there's loads of people in it and they're all trying to attack you that's what a, a recurring good issue is and if you want to get out of that room you need to reduce the amount of people in the room dead one or two how are you on lamb bad okay how are you on turkey better oh okay freeze we're on turkey for a while after three weeks how are you on duck oh that's good as well turkey and duck are good okay how are you on chicken poo bad straight away and you go oh okay chicken is not good at least raw chicken isn't isn't working for my dog and then you learn that way but you don't do it on ultra processed food you don't go salmon flavored dry food with 100 ingredients in it because you've just jumped from one prop ingredient to, to 100 ingredients so if the salmon flavored dry food doesn't work well was it the fixatives or preservatives or stabilizers or the salmon or the meal or the horrible quality fats or the bha bht ethoxyquin was it the chemical preservatives was what was it in the dry food that caused it 
it's not salmon because there's hardly any salmon in that dry food, you know. So that's why we do it with real foods like the spelling duke, you know. Brilliant. Um, I actually want to go back a step now because what we've talked about there obviously is kind of the more reactionary side of things, which is if something isn't right, what what's the process of, of, of going about correcting that? For someone who's not at that point, um, but is maybe thinking... I want to make sure that that never that, that never comes around. So I guess we're talking more about um, preventative measures here. What what sort of things should people be doing? The obvious one, and you know, of course, we're, we're going to say this is, is looking at, at, at raw. But you know, kind of flesh that out a little bit if you would do in terms of what are the you know the right things that people should be doing to to avoid even getting to the stage of upset stomachs. Yeah, I think I think ultra processed food is the number one cause of, of upset guts. And so removing that from the dog's life is paramount. I mean, right now, there's no time to spare. I wouldn't even finish the bag in the cupboard if I was hard up for money. I would dump it immediately. And I would jump to any, any uh, fresh raw dog food, lightly cooked, whatever you like, make it yourself. Any any effort yourself is fine. People worry, God, I couldn't make it myself. It's just, uh, you know, my dog's butt would fall off or want of some mineral I can't even pronounce. And you go, well, that's just not the way it works. That's not how you feed the kids, is it? You have no idea of their RDA of calcium. And yes, we obsess about these things in pets because this is the way we've been trained, that pet food is actually percentages and exact RDAs and look at the ingredient panel as if that's how we feed ourselves. We've no idea. My little toddler won't eat green things, you know, and it really annoys me. But like, you know, you have to sneak it into our food. So look, start off any old way, but getting onto real food is the number one protective thing to avoid recurring gut issues and skin conditions and ear conditions and most conditions, I would say, pancreatitis, kidney disease, cancer, you name it. I would link an awful lot of these diseases to the fact ultra-processed pet food is the dominant way of feeding pets. And when we remove these things, I, in my opinion, would expect the dog to be doing an awful lot better. So the best preventative step is to get your dog into real food. That's the number one thing for most diseases. I cannot think of a single time I would use ultra-processed pet food. There's not a single disease, not a single issue when it's a good idea. Get onto fresh food, that's the first thing. And then you address the other things that you're feeding the dog. Simple, you know, treats that you look at them and you look at the back and you go, what is that? You know, what is corn gluten pulp? And you go, well, why is that, what, what is that indigestible protein you're feeding your dog? So if it's indigestible, it's going to come out in the poo. So we suddenly look at the treats and go, do you know what? I can make my own treats or I can buy dried treats. I can do a bit better on the treat department. And so good quality food, good quality treats, good quality water. People give their dogs fresh water from the tap and they wonder why the dogs drink mucky puddles. And we say, well, your dog's nose is 25% of his brain and he's drinking chlorinated tap water. Can you imagine what it'd be like drinking swimming pool water every day? And the chlorine in water washes over his gut flora. So if he wants to get a bit more fancy with the water, that'd be great. He will definitely appreciate it. Dogs do not like tap water. So uh, boiled and cooled water if you don't have a filter, but a filter would be nice. You actually get charcoal sticks that sit in your water and suck all the baddies out and you wash them after a week or two. You should see the amount of gunk that comes off them. And then you're just looking at the water going, that was in my water? It's, yeah. it's shocking. When you go to a filter tap, you turn into an absolute snob for water. And in a restaurant and somebody puts water on the table and you can smell the chlorine off it. I was like, I'm in a restaurant. I don't want to smell chlorine in the water. But you, you get very tuned into it when you cut it out of, of the diet. And it's a good idea to cut chlorine out of the diet. So, yeah, they're the basic things. Get the food right. Get And then, like, I wouldn't worry so much that a supplement is going to save you. Your dog doesn't need a gut health supplement to have a healthy gut. He just needs a healthy gut. And a healthy gut 
you're fed real food, good food, and then your gut flora takes over the rest. The gut flora manage the homeostasis of the gut. They keep their environment in good nick. They keep pathogenic bacteria down, yeast, protozoan. Um, they deal with everything. Different shifts in food, no problem. We've got you. And they'll digest it and they'll take care of you. But if they uh, shift and you don't look after them and you do something nasty to them, that's that's when you start getting your gut issues. So they will protect you from good infections. They will protect you from everything else. You don't need to keep giving them supplements and fancy things with 20 different ingredients in it. If your dog is gut sick and you believe that'll help and you've done the right things, then absolutely. But, um, you know, I, I don't believe it comes in having lots of supplements and a drawer full of things that you wouldn't give yourself. I don't think that's the way to good health. I think good food is the way to good health. Well said, well said. Um, it was interesting earlier when you talked about that that process of, of, of going through almost like the trial and error of trying what, what works for your uh, for your dog in terms of trying different different kinds of meat, different kinds of, of, of raw. I'm, I'm interested here in your advice for someone who is, let's describe them as a new pet parent. So someone that's getting a puppy where you kind of got a bit of a clean slate here. So it's not about having to move from one kind of, you know, less desirable way of feeding them onto the right. You, you kind of starting from 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 scratch. What's the best way of going about that? Is it a similar sort of process in kind of finding out what works for that particular puppy? Uh, they would say that um, when you're young, particularly in the first five months of life, it's called the imprinting period. Uh, really important for all the trainers and behaviourists out there. You know, your dog learns an awful lot of a socialisation in that time and then it tapers off quite quickly after that. So if, you know, if you want the dog to be fine on buses or trains, coming back to my guide dog days, you show them buses and trains multiple times in that first five months. But it's the same with food. So dogs are happy to explore their environment with their faces because they don't have hands and they will eat whatever you put down in front of them, they will eat. And the process actually begins with mum. So whatever mum was fed, the pups come out looking for. So you can actually spray apple in the air of um, uh, pregnant bitches and the pups come out fighting off the apple tainted nipples. So it's an incredibly sensitive process. It's the same with humans. If your mum's a fast foodaholic, then kids are going to be more likely to be eating fast food. If you're more likely, if your kid, if your mum made a ferocious amount of fruit, they suspect that your your kid's going to want more of that. So getting that into them young while uh, mum is pregnant is good. So well-fed mum is paramount, uh, but we're, we're not paying enough attention to that at the moment. But then as soon as the pup comes out from three weeks, the dogs are being exposed to all sorts of things. There's a raw meaty bone and they're half blind and there's no teeth and they're gumming it. And then suddenly their little tiny teeth are coming down. It's so sore because they all come down at the same time. But now they've something to chew, their raw meaty bone. That's what you chew. You don't chew my, my trouser legs on my dressing gown. Please chew the bone I provided you. <laughs> uh, so that's what the pups start on. But then it becomes quite a varied diet initially because they will eat whenever you are, it looks like you're eating or mum is eating, the pups will eat. So it starts very, very young. But once you get a pup at eight weeks, nine weeks, I would just put that dog onto any raw food. I probably wouldn't go bananas and put 10 different foods in his bowl at the same time. I probably would take it easy and say, how are you on duck food? Oh, you seem to enjoy that. How are you on lamb? How are you on turkey? Are you on beef? And so that's the way I would I would probably start with my dog. I probably wouldn't dump all the flavors in the bowl. There's a process called zoopharmacosy, zoopharmacognosy, but the cog bit is, is this one, zoopharmacosy. And, uh, it's it's a it, what they say is like you know you put these things down in front of the dog as opposed to mixing all the food up together. Maybe your dog doesn't like broccoli. Maybe he doesn't like spinach. Maybe he doesn't like strawberries. And you're mixing them all up in the food, and he'll eat it all because he wants it all. But um, they would say, why don't you try separate the foods out on a platter just for giggles and just say, here you go, pup. What do you like? Particularly if your dog's a bit older. 
And you'll just say, God, he keeps on avoiding the mackerel. He doesn't like mackerel. It's like, oh, okay, I'll stop feeding it to you. Dogs know what's good for them and what isn't. Uh, most of the time, they don't know it's raisins and chocolate, but most of the time they have an idea. And when they're picking that certain plant to chew or that bit of grass, they know exactly what they're looking for. So you can exploit that with the food options you offer your dog. But young pups, they're pigs. You just, you, I would, I would encourage you all to feed a variety to the dog, to the pup when he's young, and that way you won't have a picky dog when you're older and he eats your table scraps. That's what you want. I've got two more things I want to ask you about. I, I feel like we could talk probably for the rest of the day, but yeah. uh, we've, we've, we've got to put a limit on it. Um, two things I want to ask you about. One is electrolytes. The other is uh, probiotics. I know these are things that, that you are very clued up on. I am not. So please educate me. Ooh, okay, let's try. Okay, so these, the, the second one particularly is an enormous subject and there's just a vast amount of people that are far more educated in that than I am. When you talk to somebody that knows something about probiotics, you realise you know nothing about probiotics. And generally, when you talk to the people that know something about probiotics, professors in the subject, they will say, we know nothing about probiotics. It is an enormously enormous field that we haven't given enough attention to. It's really catching on lately. Start with electrolytes. Electrolytes control the osmotic potential of your gut, okay? So when you're sweating hard or, or, or if you've got terrible diarrhea, you lose an awful lot of electrolytes. They're involved in that process. So marathon runners drinking those blue drinks or uh, a doctor prescribing a dioralite, which is like salt and sugar in a cap, in a, in a sachet, because you're, you've got terrible diarrhea and you're losing liquids and your electrolytes go with it. And if, you, if your electrolytes aren't in good shape, if they're up and down, your levels are low, you, that actually aggravates your gut conditions. So electrolytes are a great idea. But you don't have to pour it on your dog's food because you can actually offer to your dog, coming back to that process of zoo pharmacosy, you can say, right, gut sick dog, here you go. I'm going to give you plain, fresh filtered water in one bowl, non-plastic bowl would be nice, and it's sitting there. And uh, and in the second bowl, I'll dissolve in, which is particularly good for dogs that are going through a bit of diarrhea, I will dissolve in some good quality salt, anything with a name, pink salt, Himalayan salt, oil sea salt, doesn't matter, whatever you think is cool. Anything but refined salt, which is all the good stuff removed and just about. So you get uh, good quality salt because it contains all your electrolytes and about 50 or 60 other minerals you can barely pronounce, like you know, palladium and, and strontium. It's like, how much of that stuff do you No idea, but it's in salt. Uh, one of the rarer sources of those bits and pieces. Fabulously nutritious addition to your food. Prey animals, carnivores, they protect salt licks out, out in the wild for a reason. Salt is, is fantastic. It's got a bad name because it came with a lot of ultra-processed food and poor quality refined seed oils. Uh, but actually, low-salt diets are shown to be very, very bad for you too. So we cannot get it right with salt. Good quality salt in a normal amount on food is fantastic. So if you're a raw feeder, I do recommend you add a little pinch of salt to your food now and again. Why not? Life is too short, certainly there's. But with good sick dogs, it's plain water and electrolyte water. The way you make it is I would get a mug, healthy pinch of good quality salt into the mug, a teaspoon of local honey, or two, or three, who cares, of local honey because it's got its local antigens in there. It's good quality energy. And um, that's also antibacterial, which is going to help if it's a good infection that he has. And then you dissolve that honey and salt and you pour that into a second bowl of water. It doesn't matter about how much salt or honey you use. The dog will take what he needs. He's not going to drink all the water just because there's a bit of honey in it. And so your electrolyte needing dog, oh, I need a bit of magnesium. There it is in the water. They will drink the water until they have enough and then they stop. Um, this process, you can actually see it in humans. You can actually do studies on humans where you can ask, ask them to dip their fingers into a licorice root powder. And on the first dip, I had this done to me in front of a lot of people. Uh, first dip, tastes like licorice powder. Second dip, tastes like licorice powder. Third dip, oh, that's kind of sour. She says, you can sit down. Some people dip five or six times. And to those people, she said, you're very stressed. You need to go to the doctor. Licorice root powder is something to do with the adrenal glands. 
And what she was showing us was that your body says it's okay, your body says it's okay. And on the third dip, I was like, oh, no, it got me right in the salivary glands. And she goes, you can sit down. That is what pregnant people do. You know, some my wife just went through a pregnancy there and eating a ferocious amount of apples for some reason. Never did before, never did after, but she needed apples. Uh, and God help me if I didn't have them in the fridge. So there was something in that apple that she needed. So that's how you give your dog electrolytes. Probiotics are uh, different. Probiotics are like the life in your guts are now upset because of all the diarrhea. And so you can use any probiotic in your dog at that stage. People think that canine probiotics are magically different to humans, but they're not. Um, they are definitely different in the gut flora department than we are. The problem is they're different in anaerobic bacteria. Um, and so those bacteria don't like oxygen. So you can't make them in a factory and put them in a little pill and sell them. So all we can sell is like lacto and bifido and those sorts of groups you've heard of because they're in your yogurts and kefir and fermented veg. So we get those groups that like oxygen, we put them in a pill and we sell them to dogs and humans. We just put a picture of a dog on the dog ones. Now they're tailoring probiotics to be particularly good for IBD or gut issues or skin or mood. Mood probiotics are unbelievable. They target the probiotics that release GABA. Incredibly impressive studies to show of the, of the beneficial effects of that compared to other drugs which have fallen out of our favour there recently. Um, so after 20 years of everybody taking them and enormous amounts of money being made. So I would say um, probiotics are the big new, great new hope. And if you are gut sick, I would use probiotics. I wouldn't put probiotics on their food. A dog is a digesting machine. And this is a numbers game. You're trying to get troops to the guns. You know, you're trying to get the probiotics into the intestines. So you, there's no point in letting them stop at the, at the gastric acids to be annihilated. Some still get through, of course, but it's better that you get your probiotic for humans and dogs and you put it in a liquid. So you open the capsule, you put a, get a little yogurt or a little uh, cup, and you put a teaspoon of full-fat probiotic yogurt, unsweetened, you know, the normal plain stuff that nobody likes to eat anymore. Spoon of that into a cup, bit of water, make your yogurt you drink, and then put your dose of probiotics in there, and then let your dog drink that in between meals because the stomach doesn't hold on to liquids and it passes through to the intestines. That's a great idea for a week or two while you're recouping. Um, those two tips are great for, for healing up guts. And I meant to say, in between jumping from dry food, which cause your dog's issues most of the time, although it happens on raw-fed dogs, no, absolutely, I actually like to use a diarrhea diet for a couple of days. That is something very, very simple and plain and something that you have handy. And what I would recommend for that would be something like, although you can use whatever you like, uh, Pacific salmon, tinned salmon. Okay, so cooked, white cooked, because it's there. It's also very easy to digest. Lightly cooked meat is easier to digest than raw, that's a fact. Doesn't mean it's better for you, but it's easier to digest. Things have been broken down. But um, anyway, it's a long conversation. So lightly tinned salmon. It's also tasty and it's salty, which is handy for your guts. And I mix the salmon, the tinned salmon, with porridge. Okay, it's one of the only times I use carbs in dogs. But porridge is rapidly digested. It's easy energy for the dog whose guts are in a little bit of turmoil. Black smoke belching out the back of the car. I don't want to hitch a big trailer to it. I want a tiny little trailer behind it, which is... A bit of salmon and porridge, anybody can digest that. We're trying to shore up the bad guts. So along with the probiotics, a diarrhea diet is a great way to do it. But there's a second reason you use porridge is because porridge oats absorb water. So when you eat them, they make your poo more constipated. They suck the water out of your of your colon. They absorb it like chia seeds in a glass of water. So that's why you're using oats, because the soluble fibre in there actually soaks up water in, in the stool. And it's a little cheaty way of removing some of the watery effect from the poo and so 
50-50, salmon and porridge, everybody has it in their cupboard, it's ready to go. I leave that, some people use scrambled egg and porridge, some people don't use carbs, some people do turkey mince and mash, you know, something like that. Anything but chicken and rice, guys, anything but chicken and rice. The vets always say chicken and rice. Chicken is the most common meat allergen in dogs and rice is rapidly digested muck. It's just not recommended for, for good sick dogs. So, you know, a porridge would be great, mashed potato maybe. Um, and then any other meat but chicken you know and uh, so that's my diarrhea diet for a couple of days I get the poos back to normal the supplement goes in the probiotics go in maybe a bit of German chamomile one or two grams per 10 kg of dog per day that's called mother of the gut it's fantastic for healing of gut issues and um, so probiotics a bit of German chamomile my diarrhea diet for a couple of days and the poos are starting to return to normal and thinking okay he's getting back on track here then I start to introduce my raw dog food again. And I say, right, buddy, how are you on turkey? So I slowly start increasing the amount of turkey in his food. And on day three, four, or five, he's now back onto his turkey raw dog food. Great. That little blip has been averted. And now he's on turkey. I might do a few weeks on that and a few weeks on lamb and just slowly take it easy for the first couple of weeks, just in case something has happened in the feeding. Like perhaps the dog doesn't like the, the new type of mackerel or lamb that's being fed to him. Perhaps you've changed your brand. You need to look at the food, smell it and go, okay, is everything okay in the food department? Why did this happen? Most of the time you'll never know, but sometimes you can hit on it and go, wow, he really doesn't like that fish dog food at all. I find it with my dog, it's pork. And so anytime, no matter what pork raw dog food I try, and people send me free stuff and I'm just too miserable to not give it to him, and then I give it to him, and the same thing, he ends up with these... Uh, wetter, blacker poos and he eats a ferocious amount of plant material when we're out and about and I'm like I shouldn't have given that to him you know and then I give the rest of the pork to my my brother's dog who is a big golden retriever and she'll eat anything and she loves pork but it doesn't work for Dudley but you know I just know every time I give it to him but I never would have known that if I kept on mixing the foods I gave him about a week of pork and after day three or four my wife was like whenever you're feeding the dog it's got to stop so um, you know most of the time it's just a blip uh, if you're dry fed dogs blame the dry food if you're raw fed, anything can cause it. You know, you can get giardia and all sorts of things, but the solution is usually the same. Simplify greatly, diarrhea diet, take a breath, relax, you know, and ease your way back onto the raw dog food and see where you are. Anything more than that, you might need help from somebody who understands guts and food, you know? Well, wow. I mean, God, I just feel like there's been so much in this episode, and yet it also <laughs> feels at the same time like we've probably barely scratched the surface. Yeah. So I think first thing I need to do now is go back and actually listen back to this episode myself. There's There's been so much um, so much advice, so much information that you've given. I'm, I'm fairly certain this won't be the last time that we have you on the, uh, the podcast. I think there's a, a load of other stuff that we can um, explore. Uh, but for now, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for your time. Thanks for sharing your knowledge with us today. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, that wraps up this episode of Life Well Loved. Thank you very much for listening. You can find out more about us at bellaandduke.com and don't forget to hit follow so you get all our new episodes every fortnight. Thanks for listening and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you.